returning this morning to revisit our vision uh, over the next three weeks, our all-in vision. And this morning, we're going to be talking about all it, being all-in with God, and I particularly want to talk about spiritual hunger, because without hunger, it's hunger, isn't it, that enables us, that draws us, that propels us, that compels us to go after the presence of God, the life of the Spirit, the power of Jesus to change lives, our lives, and to change nations. And we can talk about, we can talk about these things, we can, we can long for them, but it's hunger that provides, as it were, the energy, the force that we need to go after them in a sustained way to go after God, to go after Jesus, to go after the power and the presence of the Spirit and all he wants to do in us. As uh, we've acknowledged this morning, term has got going and... um it seems to me that most things have, have begun to fall into place. Like there was a grammar test this Saturday. Jacob's Well has started. It seems to me that pretty much everything has got going except the student community. I have a student at home. I don't think he's going back for another couple of months, maybe just for a couple of weeks before he's back for Christmas. And uh, we basically absolutely love having him at home. We love having him at home. He's a total joy to have around, except for one thing. And it's the way he treats my car. I got into my car yesterday morning, and I have to say, not an unfamiliar experience happened. I was driving through town and happened to glance at the dashboard and noticed that the fuel gauge, the needle, was actually off the empty box. It wasn't on it, it was off it. And the petrol light hadn't come come on. I reckon it had probably been on, and I reckon it had gone off having been on because nobody drives a car with so little petrol in it. And I reckon that my youngest son has this gift. (laughs) He's looking at me. I reckon he's got this gift of calculating how far he can go on the existing petrol tank before it runs out, and then he kind of conveniently leaves the car for his mother or father to drive and then fill up. But as I was thinking about this morning, and I was kind of looking at this gauge, it struck me that actually um, hunger is a bit like a fuel. It's like, an, it's like an energy. We have kind of like a hunger tank, all of us. Uh, like Gareth was saying, like, like uh, I've just said, we have a tank of hunger. We are, we are built, with, God has built us with appetites to go after things. And the hunger that we have for various things is like a fuel. It is, as I said before, a force that pushes us after something. They say you shouldn't go food shopping when you're hungry, don't they? Why? Because we, we go after all kinds of stuff on the shelves that we wouldn't buy if we weren't hungry. Hunger makes us do things that we wouldn't do if we weren't hungry. You notice that? Hunger makes us do things that we wouldn't do if we weren't hungry. When my kids were smaller, occasionally, confession time, I used to have kind of hunger moments in the evening where I was just desperate for chocolate. And I'd search the cupboards. Do you know that thing about you're convinced there's all, you're always going to find something somewhere? I have that kind of eternal optimism that I'm always going to find something somewhere if I just keep searching. So I'd search the cupboards and find nothing. And eventually, I, you know, I succumbed to that awful sin of stealing where I would take the children's sweetie pots <laughs> and find the chocolate that I was looking for in there and take it. Hunger makes us do things that we wouldn't do if we weren't hungry. Proverbs 16, 26 says this. It describes this reality. The appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them on. That's what Solomon's saying here. It's hunger that motivates us. Hunger that compels us forward. Hunger that drives us. Appetite is an incentive. 
And obviously, the principle doesn't apply to food. We can be hungry for wealth. We can be hungry for fame. I mean, have you seen how long the queues are for X Factor and Britain's Got Talent? What is it that motivates people to stand in a queue for hours and hours and hours and hours? It's a hunger for, for that opportunity, isn't it? That moment of fame. We can be hungry for power, hungry for sexual gratification, hungry for approval, hungry for love, hungry for revenge, hungry for safety and comfort. I could go on. We all have appetites. We all have appetites for different things. God's been, uh, God has built us with appetites. And I just want us to think about this morning, you know, if, if your hunger tank is like a petrol tank, I want to encourage you this morning, just in these few moments, to invite God to show you, where's your needle on the gauge of your hunger tank? Because hunger is a fuel and we all need it. Where is your hunger for God? Where is your hunger for Jesus? Where is your hunger for the kingdom of God, for his transforming work, for more of his power in your life? Where is the needle, as it were, on that gauge? Because if we're going to think about being all in with God, then we need to think about our level of hunger. Because otherwise, life with God, life with Jesus, ends up becoming a life of discipline and habit. You know, and discipline and habits, they are good. They are really good. They position us to meet with him and receive from him. But in the end, if we live a life, a Christian life, a relationship with God, if it's lived out of discipline and habits, it will only get us so far, just as pushing a car without fuel in its tank will only take us so far. The gospel was meant to be lived out of passion, not out of discipline. Jesus wants passionate followers, not disciplined followers. We all, we all, we all want to be loved with a passion, don't we? You know, if Tim only ever brought me flowers because he felt he had to, because it was Wednesday and he buys flowers on Wednesday, it wouldn't kind of cut the mustard for me. Jesus wants passionate followers, not disciplined followers. Discipline is good, but passion is better, and passion is connected to hunger. And it's a fuel that pushes us forward and leads us to seeking and searching and getting on our knees in all kinds of way that, ways that discipline never will. Friends, let's not become a people who've let habits replace hunger. Habits are good, but hunger is better. So I want to encourage us just in these few moments to think about where am I with my hunger for God? And if I want to get to Durham in a few months to take my son back up to uni, it's no good if I put into Google Durham and it tells me how to get there from Paris. I need to, I need to know how to get there from where I am now, don't I? You know, I need to identify my current location. Let's identify, let's be real, let's be honest, let's be humble before God and identify our current location about where we're at with our spiritual hunger. Because Jesus said, love the Lord with all your strength, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's about all of us. And we can't do that just by discipline. So let's just have a look at what this looks like in the Bible. If you've got a Bible or if you've got a phone, you might want to turn to the passage. It'll come up on the, on the screen in a moment. We're going to look at Acts 2, verses 42 to 46, about the, the church as it was born and you know, demonstrating without trying what I believe hunger looks like. So Acts 2, 42, this is the church in its early days as God is doing his new thing. The disciples, they... Uh, they 
the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Notice how there's lots of everything, everyone, and all words in there. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They devoted themselves. This is a picture of people who are devoted. That word devoted means to throw everything you have at something. When you're devoted to your work, you throw everything you have at your work. My son's devoted to golf. He throws everything he has at golf. I'm going, like, haven't you played enough golf? No, because there's always more when you're hungry for something. This is a passage, I think, that, that epitomizes what hunger looks like. We can't see hunger. We can see the effects of hunger, can't we? And this, for me, is a passage that epitomizes what hunger looks like. There's passion here. There's burning here, and it's moving them. It's moving them to be together. It's moving them to their knees. It's moving them to sell stuff. It's moving them to eat together. It's moving them to hang out with each other and with God. It's almost like they can't get enough. Every day, all believers, everyone, everything in common. Now, this passage doesn't say the leaders were really keen, so the leaders had lots of prayer meetings. This passage doesn't say those who were really time-rich had loads of time, and therefore they met together. This passage doesn't say that those who were lonely and had nothing else to do and wanted to meet up with some friends, they're the ones that met together. This passage says everyone. There was something going on in that community, and they all met together. Now, I don't know about you, but I think, you know, in our Western world and our, our busy, juggling lives, we could look at a passage like this and go, do you know what? That is so over the top. I don't know if you thought that when you read it. That's so over the top. That is so unnecessary. What about balance? Work-life balance? Church-life balance? Where's the balance in this? We might look at it and go, wow, these people are obsessed. They are fanatical. They are extreme. They need to get a life. We could look at this passage and say, this is just ridiculous. Nobody lives like that. But this is God's church infected with a love and a passion for him and a hunger. They just can't get enough of him. Because the more of God, the thing, Tim said this last week, the thing about God is the more of God we have, the more of God we want. The more of God's presence that we experience, the more of Jesus we, we want. And so if we're not as hungry as we want to be, it's not because we've got too much of the Lord, it's because we've got too little. And these people, they can't get enough. They don't know. This passage, this group of people that we're looking at in Scripture, they don't know about budgeting their time. I bet they didn't all sit down together on a Sunday and get their diaries out, you know, and their families and go, well, I'm busy on this day, but I could go to the meeting on that day. Or, you know, we've got all of these kind of things to fit into our lives, so how much time can we afford for God and his people this week, you know, or, well, we should be out meeting with those people and connecting with our neighbors and whatever, so actually, you know, let's go for Thursday evening. These people don't know about routine and budgeting their life for Jesus. They can't help it. That's the point of this. I think they can't help it. This isn't a calculated set of gatherings. 
This isn't a calculated way of doing life together. God's spirit is moving, and there's this incredible hunger, and they can't get enough of God. There's no off button. Have you noticed that when you're really hungry or somebody's really hungry for something? There's no off button. I once found uh, one of my children, I won't identify which one, but they were younger in uh, our little playroom, and there was a plate of Easter eggs in front of them and lots and lots of bits of foil from all the Easter eggs that had been eaten. And I found this child, you know, well into the plate of Easter eggs, continuing to eat more Easter eggs. There was no off button for the chocolate that day. And I think there's something about hunger that means we kind of don't really have an off button. We just want more and more. And for the wrong thing, that's a really bad thing. But for the right thing, it's really good. And these people haven't got an off button for God. They haven't got an off button about the presence of God. They're desperate. They're hungry. And this is what it looks like. Now, we could look at this passage and go, right, let's list what they're doing, and then let's just copy what they're doing. And actually, what they're doing is really good. They're devoting themselves to teaching. They're praying. They're meeting together. They're praising together. They're, they're making sure they're meeting, you know, each, everybody's needs are met. They're really good things. But I don't think the point of this passage is so that we, uh, or anybody else as a church, wherever we are in the world, is to look at this passage and copy, copy what they're doing. They're good things to do. But actually, I want to ask the question this morning, in the bit of time that we've got left, if hunger and passion is what is fueling you know, what we see here, how do we, what can we do, what can I do to stir up my hunger, to stir up my passion? What can I do to, 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 to grow in my hunger for God? Because if hunger's what's beneath this, then hunger, I think, is the thing you know, to look at. So I've just got a few, five suggestions uh, in the bit of time that we've got remaining, five suggestions about how we can. You know, if you're, if you're in here this morning and you are just, you know, guns blazing, you know that there's a burning fire and you, you are one, you, this kind of totally appeals to you because you, you have got, you know, your tank is really full, you know, as it were, your tank is full of hunger for the Lord, then switch off for the next five minutes and, uh, you know, dream about lunch. But if you want to know, what can I do? What part can I play in stirring up my hunger for the Lord, my passion for the Lord? Then, you know, I think it's good to just run through a few things that can help us. So the first thing is this. We need to miss it. We need to miss hunger. We need to miss passion. We will all have known it at different times and in different ways. Our, our relationship with Jesus ebbs and flows just like all of our other relationships. But the starting point, like I said before, is identifying our current location. And if you want more hunger for God, and you know that you ha- there have been times where you've been more hungry for him, more desperate for him, you know, you're longing to see him move in your life, you're longing to experience his nearness, to receive his love, to taste you know, more of who he is. And all that that means and all that that experience leads to. If you're not where you were with that, or you just know that you would love more hunger for him, for the presence of God, for the, for the move of his spirit in your life, then just acknowledge it. Let's begin by acknowledging where we are. God is gracious. God is merciful. We can't just make ourselves hungry like that. You know, just as physically I can't decide in the next minute I'm going to be hungry. Spiritually, I can't just decide I'm going to be hungry but I can identify that I want to be. 
I can identify that I want to be. So we begin by just missing it, not by feeling guilty, you know, not feeling ashamed, oh, I should be this. If I was a good Christian, I'd feel, you know, more desperate or whatever. Just, I'm here, this is me. Lord, you love me as I am, you're merciful, and you want to help me. Let's be honest and real about where we are. Do you know what? General principle in life, we cannot change. Nothing will change if we don't confront it. We cannot change what we won't confront. And that goes, you know, it's true about the condition of our hearts and our hunger levels. So if your, if your dial is down towards the bottom of the tank and you want it to move up again, let's just acknowledge it with the Lord. Somebody said this, I've come to realize that the real tragedy in the church is not spiritual famine, it's famine without hunger, dryness without thirst. Do you know what? After a bit of a time, our bodies can actually get used to not eating very much. I don't know if you know that, but, you know, we can actually, over a period of time, if we don't eat very much, we can begin to lose connection with that physical feeling of hunger. And the same is true spiritually. We can actually be hungry without feeling hungry. You know, we can, we can be hungry without feeling hungry. So it can begin by acknowledging, actually, I want to feel my hunger for God more. I want to experience him more. I want to become more dissatisfied with my current level of experience of God. It's a good thing to be dissatisfied with our current experience of God. Second thing we can do is to pray for it. Really basic. But Jesus says, you don't have because you don't ask. You know, in the book of James, you don't have because you don't ask. Our, um, one of our sons, uh, as he went through his teenage years, um, really kind of struggled with the whole kind of walk with Jesus. You wouldn't have wanted me as your mother. I used to sit on his bed in the evening and say, darling, you know, how are you going with your praying and your Bible reading? I can't be bothered. I'm finding it really hard. You know, whatever. And it was a kind of regular conversation. And so we just used to say to him, well, if you're not hungry, just pray to be hungry. Do you want to be hungry for the Lord? Do you want to be hungry for a relationship with Jesus? Yes. Yes, you know, he used to come to church, but, you know, he was zoned out, disconnected, not really that interested. So we used to say, well, pray for hunger. Pray for God to make you hungry, because he wants to. So he probably prayed that prayer on and off for a couple of years. The level of hunger in that child's life, as of about three and a half years ago, is extraordinary. We look at him and we say, we do not recognize you. God has done something so powerful in him. And it began by, he began, God began by igniting hunger in him. That's where it began, that force. That force, that, that passion, that sort of energy that has enabled him to pursue Jesus and pursue God without needing just all the time to grit his teeth and try harder, which didn't get him very far. And that passion and that hunger has come, I believe, as a result of just regularly praying, Lord, I want to be hungry. Lord, make me hungry. It's the Spirit's work. But he needs to be invited. If you want to be more hungry, just ask him to make you more hungry. Thirdly, we can provoke it. Got a little picture up here. Forget another picture, Amy. There we are. Brown loaf of bread and a jam donut. Which would you rather eat? <laughs> Both quite high in carbs, but one of them's got way more sugar and way more fat and is nowhere near as good for you 
as the other one. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He didn't say, I'm the donut of life. He said, I'm the bread of life because bread is much better for us than donuts. But if we fill up on donuts, guess what? We're not that interested in bread. You know, if you're really hungry, you'll eat bread. But actually, we can lose our appetite by, having, by eating spiritual junk, by eating junk food, by filling up on the things that don't actually bring us life. And we have so much of that at our, you know, that's available to us in our privileged culture, the world that we live in. There is so much jam donut stuff for us to fill up on. You know, the sugar rush, the hits, they're great. But actually what they do is they suffocate a real hunger for God and his presence and his life-giving work and, and what only he as his spirit can do. And maybe for some of us we need to provoke hunger by actively choosing to cut back on the jam donuts. And, and you know, that might look like fasting in some way. Fasting from some kind of entertainment, from, from Netflix or from our you know, social media or cutting back on it. Maybe it is fasting from food. Fasting is a biblical principle. And what happens in the natural is a reflection of what happens in the spiritual. And if we want to stir up our hunger for God, maybe for some of us that's about taking a radical step to cut back on some of the stuff that might be actually suffocating that hunger. Ask him. He'll show you. Ask him to help you. He'll show you. John Piper wrote this. If we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God. It's not because we've drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because we've nibbled so long at the table of the world. Our soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. I love that. No room for the great. But the thing about this, which is so countercultural, hunger hurts. Hunger pains hurt. They're meant to. They're meant to drive us to food. Hunger hurts. Hunger is uncomfortable. Being dissatisfied, owning our dissatisfaction with our experience of God is uncomfortable. So, so pressing in for and identifying and embracing spiritual hunger is to deliberately embrace discomfort. To embrace and longing for, Lord, I need more of you. And if you don't show up, my life isn't going to change. Jesus, I've got to know more of you. Because life just doesn't cut the mustard for me without you. I'm desperate, I'm hungry and thirsty. To live in that place of acknowledging our spiritual hunger and to allow it to grow is uncomfortable. But what does Jesus say in the Beatitudes? He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. It's not what our culture says. Our culture says, poor you if you're poor in spirit. Jesus says, blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. He says, blessed are you if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you if you mourn. That's a spiritual mourning. That's a spiritual mourning. I love the way the message puts it, that blessed are you if you mourn, because the one who you long to embrace you will come and embrace you. It's uncomfortable to engage with hunger. And sometimes God in his grace throws it upon us or brings it our way anyway. You know, some of you I know are going through a dry season. Some of you are, are, are going through a really challenging season. That would be true for me. But do you know one of the things that the Lord is doing through that? He's 
What he's doing is he's stirring up my hunger and my thirst for him. Because that's what happens in the dry places. You become thirsty, you become more thirsty and more hungry. And the temptation is to shrink back from that and to somehow make it better or more comfortable for ourselves. But that's one of the purposes, he, one of the ways he uses difficulty in our lives. One of the ways he uses dry times is to stir up a hunger for more. So that as what these people were doing, the hungry become desperate and they get on their knees. And they cry out to God and God responds when his people cry out to him. So if you're going through a dry time, if you're going through a tough time, you know, allow God to use it to stir up your hunger. A couple of things, lastly. Remember it. If you've, been, if you've known what it's like to be really hungry for the Lord, well, engage with it and remember it. You know, if, uh, Jesus, in his letter to the church at Ephesus in Revelation, he says, remember what you did at first. Remember your first love. It's good to remember what it was like because that actually helps us long for more of him again. And fifthly, catch it. Catch it. We can hang around people who are really hungry, who can't get enough of the Lord. You know, we can catch appetites for all kinds of things for other people. Hang out with people who are hungry. Discipline is admirable. But do you know what? Passion and hunger is contagious. So find some people who are passionate and hungry and just desperate for more and hang around them. Do you know, this isn't an overnight thing, friends. This isn't, overnight, this isn't a kind of an overnight, one-moment change thing. It's an orientation thing. It's an orientation of our hearts. But God is longing to pour out so much more of himself and his life and his power and his grace and his mercy on his church, I believe, across the land. But God responds to the hungry because the hungry get on their knees. And the hungry get on their knees and cry out and cry out and cry out until they're satisfied, except that when they are satisfied in God, they become more hungry. That's what's going on with these people in the book of Acts. And as I close, I say this. I genuinely believe, it is my firm conviction, that this nation needs a move of God. I think most of us would agree with that. I think the church across the nation is beginning to wake up to the fact that our only hope is for a fresh move of God. But in order for there to be a fresh move of God, the church of God needs to be hungry for God. It's not strategy that is going to create a move of God. It's not efficiency and it's not competence. It's hunger. It's hunger and it's passion for Jesus and only what Jesus can do and bring to our nation. And God will move when the church in this nation is hungry and desperate and nothing else will suffice. And I, and I want us to say this morning, you know, let's play our part in that. Let's invite Jesus to stir up an insatiable hunger in us so that we become part of that hungry church that our nation needs. Let's stand.